Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And today our guest is Zach Darling. And Zach is CEO of the Hybrid Creative. And Hybrid is now a wholly owned subsidiary of Cush Coal Holdings, which is a, a fairly recent transaction that, that has happened. We're going to hear a little bit about that. And we're going to talk a little bit about brand, brand strategy, brand building. Zach, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate you uh, having me on the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure having you. And I'm, I'm excited about this because I think that branding is one of those areas that people have not done a whole lot of work in traditionally in the cannabis market. You know, things have been moving so kind of so quickly that they think about, you know, putting the money in place, getting the process in place, but they really don't think about branding and positioning. So I think this is a great conversation. Why don't we start with just understanding a little bit about you and your background and how you got into cannabis. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was actually raised in cannabis community. I grew up on an intentional communal land up in the mountains of Mendocino County in the Emerald Triangle. And the, the community I grew up with in cannabis was the economic uh, support lifeline for a lot of these folks. It was back to the landers that moved uh, up to the mountains in the 60s and 70s. And cannabis was the way in which they were able to sustain themselves. I remember the war on drugs and had, uh, you know, we had military helicopters from camp flying overhead and on a regular basis and I had many friends of mine locked away yeah and I remember harboring fugitives that were being chased by the feds that uh, people that got busted on their land and needed a place to hide out so you know my my exposure to it from the beginning was really back in the outlaw days yeah and I've, I've had the opportunity to witness participate in at this point help craft 
the the transformation of prohibition days into a legitimate thriving industry. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, I, the, the transformation that we've gone through in the last you know 10, 15, 20 years is is quite big. I, I'm sure that uh, I, I don't know how, how likely you, you thought it was going to be that we'd have legalized marijuana when you were younger, but um, you know that's quite a change from from your upbringing and kind of where cannabis was back in the day. Yeah, I think the shock that this is actually happening has finally started to wear off for some of us. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of reggae artists that are looking for new lyrics to sing about. But yeah, yeah. Here we are. So let's talk a little bit about branding, because I know that's that's kind of what you're focused on, you know, in terms of kind of the professional side of cannabis here. I guess what got you into the branding? Like, why pick the branding aspect of the industry? Given all of your background and all of your knowledge, I'm sure you could have you could have taken many paths in the cannabis space. Why branding? Sure. I started in the uh, creative agency world through music. In 1997, I started my first company, Greenfield Graphics, which is named after the hippie commune up in Mendocino County. And uh, we were a festival, concert, and, and rave promotional design company. We created tons of rave flyers and grew into a pretty prominent music industry design house and came to a point where the hydroponics world started really thriving. Yeah. Because before there was a, an overt cannabis market, the only place in which people could actually have trade shows and out their brands and participate in the public economy was through was through hydro. So mm-hmm. we branded our first hydroponics store in the year 2000 and started to really because of our my background and upbringing and, and friendliness and familiarity with the cannabis farming community up north. And as we had really kind of put our stake in the ground as being the hydroponics friendly agency. It, it slowly just grew through there. When we started this business nine years ago, it was our very first client was building an e-commerce store for a hydroponics uh, shop in uh, Ukiah, California, it. and it, it just grew from there. We ended up rebranding Cutting Edge Solutions and uh, working with Geopot and Turpinator and a variety of these very kind of high-profile brands in the in the hydroponics world. So as soon as the need started to arise for actual branding of cannabis brands. We had already established ourselves as the green friendly in, uh, agency and, uh, and we spoke the language. And because we had so much experience in other verticals like music, like sustainable ventures, like other non-cannabis, more traditional brands and businesses, we kind of brought that perfect balance, a good understanding of the public market and just traditional marketing, yeah. but also a really deep understanding of the history and the context and the evolution and the needs and the and the business structures of the emerging cannabis business. Got it. So let's talk a little bit about branding and then we can talk about sort of branding and cannabis. Just from your point of view or, or how do you kind of look at the challenge of branding or how do you how do you kind of see the challenge of branding from a strategy point of view? Like what what is your approach to it? Sure. Well, the uh, we always start with why. We're big fans of Simon Sinek here at the Hybrid Creative, and Simon is a uh, well-known public speaker and uh, motivational speaker. And, and he he teaches people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And he promotes the concept of starting with why. There's a lot of good-looking brands out there that don't quite know why they're doing what they're doing <laughs> yeah. other, than making, other than making money, and yeah. those are the ones that tend to lose. But if you look at the, the brands that are really strong in the industry right now, the ones that are really thriving, the ones that have that kind of high level of consumer loyalty, they've really clearly articulated their why. They're, they're 100% about what that is. Then producing high-quality products – and making money and and participating in the cannabis economy that comes secondary and and when you have really well articulated why 
your consumers have something to to connect with, to resonate with, and to find alignment with. The biggest competitor in cannabis right now is not brand A versus brand B. It's brand noise. Yeah. It's the clutter in the industry. It's when you walk into a dispensary and you look on the shelves and you've got a hundred different products that are yelling for your attention. How are you going to cut through that? Yeah. Being a purpose-driven, meaningful brand versus just another good-looking brand is what makes that deeper connection with the consumer. People want to be part of change. And purpose-driven brands are, are creating change. They're challenging the status quo. And so uh, if if your brand really speaks to something that not only differentiates you but radically differentiates you from the rest of the brands that are there at the dispensary, that person has a reason to connect with you that's more of a personal reason. They have an emotional reaction. So for a lot of businesses, when they come to us and they're ready to brand their their cannabis brand, mm -hmm. they have this great story inside of them. Yeah. If they've been at it for a while, they have a history of, you know, maybe somebody's been locked up in the past and they're they're out to, you know, they're back and there's a justice, yeah. a social justice story there. You know, maybe it's this, you know, beautiful story of this family that's been growing for generations that are finally, you know, coming out of the out of the woodwork. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's a regional story or an artistic story. But most of the time people have something that that is really great rich soil to be able to uh, to plant a brand in, no pun intended. <laughs> There's plenty of puns. There's plenty of puns in this space. I like that because I think one, one of the challenges that I think a lot of companies have is as this market, you know, shifts and, you know, the dynamics change and the sort of the, the foundations shake a little bit. I, I think the companies that have figured out their why have, have really clarified their purpose and, um, you know, kind of the principles that they're going to operate by. I find it much easier to kind of navigate or, and kind of tolerate those situations because they're less they're less the less impacted by external factors, they're more grounded in their internal kind of framework, their internal purpose, which I think is important. So I think that not only from a, I guess, brand strategy point of view, but I find that actually helps with all aspects of kind of business decisions and business growth and business strategy. So I think that makes sense. Um, let's talk a little bit about cannabis because there are, you know, some particular kind of dynamics or challenges of building brands and building brand value and kind of, you know, communications and stuff. What have you found being some of the challenges when, companies do go to develop brands and copyrights and things like that when they're dealing with cannabis-based products. Enlighten us a little bit on what people need to understand and know about. Sure. Um, well, first of all, we always encourage people to um, to rise above the Cheech and Chong and, and high times old school stereotypes that have, that have identified this industry for so long. Now that we are in the public sphere and and establishing ourselves as a legitimate, mature, responsible, conscious industry, it's every new brand's responsibility to to make sure that they're part, participating in raising that bar of you know, of showing that we're sophisticated, showing that that we care, showing that we are not just catering to that stoner mentality that that's been around for so long. It's our job to destigmatize and legitimize this new industry, and every new brand plays a, a vital role in that. And for us as a creative agency, it's really important for us to be able to help kind of drive that narrative with our clients. So what we, uh, uh, Mary Shapiro, one of my favorite trademark and intellectual property attorneys in the cannabis space, mm -hmm. coined the term 
potty brands, P-O-T-T-Y. <laughs> uh, don't create a potty brand. Don't call it can of this or green that. Don't put a, a pot yeah. plant, a pot leaf in your in your logo anymore. And don't name it after the county or town or community that you're in because it's all been done. There's, there's that Once again, there's that brand noise. So to find uh, a name or a trademark or an icon that actually really is kind of radically differentiated from everything else that's out there, you have to put a lot of thought into that. The naming process really is one of the most vital part of the parts of the of the process of building your brand because you want that name to be something that's totally unique, unique and identifiable to you. I was just recently on a panel with Adam Grossman from Papas and Barkley. Papas uh-huh. and Barkley's a perfect example. It's a story about his his grandfather who was sick and his dog and his dog was named Barkley and <laughs> and now he's got this fantastic differentiated brand. That has nothing to do with cannabis. The, yeah. the, his, his trademark is protectable. He's able to lock down the, that corner of his intellectual property and move forward full force knowing that, that nobody else is going to come forward. When the, when the lines between state lines and international lines start to fade, he's not going to be getting a cease and desist letter because his brand that he's built is just like this other person in Massachusetts that they built. There's a brand brawl coming to cannabis, and there's going to be a lot of litigation and cease and desist letters flying around as yeah. soon as it's become nationally legal. Actually, let's dig into that because I'm not sure everyone on the podcast understands the nuance here, which is – well, and maybe you can explain it. I mean it has to do with, with how copyrights or how trademarks are issued by the federal government and the fact that cannabis is federally illegal. Can you give people a little bit of a sense of why we're in this sort of predicament and what's going to happen when it becomes – you know, federally legal or when the federal issues are lifted? Sure. Well, well, compliance is is uh, in the eye of the region at this point. You have compliance standards within your city, within your county, within your state. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, federal, there is – you run into this world where there is no official compliance because at that point you're an outlaw. Exactly. And so, yeah. and so your strategy has to be – we like to say think local, plan national. Your strategy has to be one that's that's really locks down your strength within your region. So your local retailers or the area in which you're doing business, you have complete compliance and you're able to, to expand and strengthen there as your foundation. But you have to be planning for a more of a national expansion if you want to be part of this, this large-scale industry. If you're down to stay a smaller boutique brand, that's fine. It's going to be a harder fight because the, the forces of the large-scale brands and, and collectives are, are, are massing tremendously right now, and the small farmers are, are really getting the squeeze, and, and yeah. the small hands are getting the squeeze. But if you're if you're building your brand with the intent to be able to grow on a national scale, you have to be thinking about it as such. So what people are doing, I always recommend that our clients work with a really strong trademark and intellectual property attorney. I've uh, I've mentioned Mary. I also am a huge fan of Brandon Branch. Uh, they're incredible. There's also Emerge Law mm-hmm. up in Oregon, another great firm. And what you'll get when you work with an, uh, an attorney like that is really good guidance on how to plan your local and statewide trademark protection. So, for example, in California now, you can actually get state trademarks and protect your brands within mm-hmm. within the state. But then you also yeah. have to plan your your national trademark protection in which you can't actually really go and protect a cannabis brand specifically something that touches the plant so you have to show all the other ways in which you're participating in in the the local economic community or great, greater economic community outside of the cannabis product itself so some yeah. people are putting forward apparel brands some people are putting themselves forward as an educational resource and they're able to get a trademark on that name and the strategy that's there is as soon as things 
are hopefully descheduled, yeah. not rescheduled. Yeah, um, exactly. Then at that point, you can you can modify your trademark and say, oh yes, by the way, we actually touched the plant. And so everyone's stacked up with these federal yeah. trademarks that mention everything they do except for the cannabis part. And um, they're just waiting for the, the shoe to drop for them to be able to add that as part of what they're trademarking. Yeah. But even so, there's so many people, I guarantee you, there's a ton of brands out there that are using the exact same name that that have a very descriptive, non-differentiated name that when things start to shift, they're going to realize that they've invested tremendously in something that somebody else is, as, has as well. And you're going to end up in court and it's going to be up to a, a judge to determine who actually has the more legitimate claim. Yeah. Wow, it's, it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> it's not going to end up in that situation. You don't yeah. want to take that kind of risk. Yeah, just avoid it altogether. Not only you waste money on building a brand, the equity that you have in that brand, yeah. the recognition and the, the challenge that you're going to deal with by having to completely reinvent that could be could be the death blow to your business. Yeah. Yeah. And let's talk just briefly about international because that's the other big kind of trend or facet of the industry right now. I, to the extent that you're working with or you see companies that are, are beginning to you know work on an international level, how do you approach that? Is there anything different or any, any other considerations if you're looking at international brands? You know, most of my experience internationally has been between between Germany and Canada, and uh, and seeing how that's working. And really, it's in its it's in its infancy as far as yeah. branding internationally at this point. Right now, branding cannabis in Canada is very restricted. The the packaging is highly regulated and not exciting from a design perspective <laughs> at this point. And and you know the the way that that say take Germany for example Germany is has legalized for medical mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so you can get what twenty seven strains with your government issued healthcare plan from Germany but they don't want to have a bunch of grows yeah. they don't want to fill Germany up with a ton of large scale production at this point so that part's regulated so you've got the government of Canada uh, you know selling large scale amounts of cannabis to the government of Germany, you've yeah. got you've got federal international overseas pot deals happening. <laughs> but by the time it actually gets to the consumer, that brand experience is lost. Yeah. And, you know, I went into a dispensary or a, um, a cannabis shop in in Berlin and spent mm -hmm. some time with them. And there are a variety of CBD products. I would say drinks were the only thing that were really very well branded yeah. in Berlin. Other than that, they were very excited to show me their all CBD, no THC flower, which just looked like shake in a jar at, the point, <laughs> at this point. So there's a lot of room for growth. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and as far as building out that strategy, that's what we're doing here at the Hybrid Creative. And that's one of the things that we that's one of the reasons that we really chose to embrace this acquisition mm -hmm. by Kushco is that we are able to explain to them our vision and say like we want to have a agency we want to have an office right here in our home office in Santa Rosa an office mm -hmm. in LA an office in 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 Toronto in Vancouver in Berlin and Barcelona in Sydney and we want to put people on the ground that understand what compliance means in that market anywhere where there's an emerging or established cannabis market we want people who fully understand what compliance means and fully understands what marketing means in that area we don't we're not so arrogant to think that we can paint every region with a California paintbrush and it's, and it's going to work with that audience. So we want to hire creatives and talented people in each one of these national and international markets to where when somebody says, I'm ready to take my brand 
global. I'm ready yeah. to build an international brand. Our agency is going to be the only one that truly understands what that is. And we are moving as fast as possible to be building that level of high industry IQ. I yeah. can say that we have some of the top IQ in cannabis industry in California, and we're aggressively moving forward in learning as much as we can and growing our knowledge to where we can say that on a global level. And how are you, I'm just kind of curious from, you know, your agency's growth process, like how are you finding talent? Are you pulling existing talent from other kind of branding, advertising agency world into cannabis? Are you, are you finding people that know cannabis really well and kind of training them up on the aspects of design and branding and marketing? What's your like, what have you found has worked best for you right now? You know, it's a mix of both. Yeah. You know, we have we have somebody up in Portland right now. She knows everyone in the industry. She's so well tapped in and she's thrilled to be joining our team. We I, I hired one of the, you know, an excellent designer that came to us from from the hydroponics world. And he'd been designing in hydro mm. forever. Uh, alternatively, our new managing director for L- LA comes to us from Nike. Yeah. You know, one of our other designers here comes to us from Apple. And I think that's the, you know, the common ground is that it's people that are really excited about cannabis and how cannabis has the opportunity first time ever to be inventing a new industry. I would say on the creative side and the legal side are the two most exciting arenas to be yeah. a part of this this industry because we are truly inventing something for the first time. When has that ever happened? Yeah. Prohibition? Well, with prohibition, alcohol was already around beforehand. It just yeah. got shut down and then brought back. Yeah. You could argue some things like the cell phone industry or the internet were things that are industries that got invented, but that happened over decades. When have we ever had a, a, a an industry that just went from straight private market uh, illegal prohibition to all of a sudden legitimacy and and uh you know making up for lost time to creatively and legally define itself yeah we're pretty excited to be a part of this and uh a creative agency like ourselves i would say there's only a handful of really solid creative agencies in cannabis that are pushing the needle. I'd say there's probably five of us. And for people to have the opportunity to jump aboard and do what they love, be a successful creative and help define something is is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think there's several professions that are now kind of getting involved in cannabis that have not sort of been involved a whole lot that are, it's, it's just kind of blowing up and it's fascinating to see how it's how it's playing out. There's a fine line between that and green rushers, though. Okay. There's there's a lot of people out there that they don't care about the history. They don't care about the medicinal elements of it. They don't care mm-hmm. about the fact that cannabis has the capacity to change the mindset of the world and help people get off of opiates, yeah. put less white powders in their body, body, put down the bottle, become less aggressive, probably stop lobbing missiles from one country to another. Yeah. Cannabis has the capacity to change the paradigm of the world. And that's what most of us, especially those of us who have been in it for a long time, are inspired by. We're not just here to make money. We're here to transform the state of the planet and the human condition. There's a lot of folks out there that all they see is money. And yeah. that's all they care about. And that's all they want to get into the industry for. And, you know, we call those those folks green rushers. Green rushers and, yeah. you know, money's what drives a lot of folks. I get it. But I believe that uh, for those of us that have been in it for a while that really understand the heart behind the cannabis industry and are dedicated to not losing that heart, we need to be discerning as to who we're bringing aboard from from the you know, that, that that's really new to the industry and really make them define their why. Yeah. 
Well, and I think it's an interesting challenge because, uh, you know, the, the growth of the industry is putting huge pressure on the industry, meaning that, you know, there's there are not enough people, you know, with 20 years of experience, you know, in, you know, cannabis growing, cannabis culture, you know, the cannabis, you know, kind of environment. There is a need to bring in folks like how how do you I mean, you kind of talked a little bit about it, but, you know, on a broader level, how do you kind of filter or how do you help people make that transition? What have you seen that's worked well for people that are coming into this space? You know, I guess make the right decision to come into it or not, um, and as well as kind of successfully make the transformation. I think a heartfelt conversation with somebody will help kind of bring forward what they're in it for. Yeah. And and. You know, so we just had a booth at the ArcView Investor Summit for the uh, three days before MJ BizCon, uh-huh. and we met people from all over the world that are here to invest in cannabis. And you know, maybe they had nothing to do with cannabis before. Maybe they're completely new to it. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know, their their motivation and their reason for jumping in is is really what defines them. And and there are some people that are so thrilled to finally be like I've, I know a lot of people within our Kush organization and other major cannabis brands that come from alcohol or come mm-hmm. from t- big tobacco. Oh, interesting, and, yeah. and you could look at that and you can say, OK, these are, you know, very powerful, arguably, uh, you know, unhealthy uh, industries that have been uh, that have had repercussions on on uh, humanity. Yeah. They're all of a sudden coming in to yeah. corrupt the, you know, the cannabis industry. I've actually learned that a lot of these people are so thrilled and so excited to finally have an opportunity to take these large scale business skills that they have and these this knowledge that they have of how to navigate an actual industry and come into something that they can truly believe in and feel good about and sleep, you know, put their head on their pillow at night and feel like they're doing something that's contributing to humanity in the world. And, you know, it's. It's it's wonderful to see how um, not only is does business try to influence a new industry like cannabis, but the cannabis industry is having a dramatic influence on on the traditional business world as a whole as well. Yeah. The other one that I find interesting is pharmaceuticals, you know, as people kind of transition yeah. over from pharmaceuticals. And, you know, on one hand, it's a. Uh, you know, it's an industry based on health and and helping people and and things. You know, on the other hand, it's it's also a, a big complex that is based on money and profit. It's interesting to see who's kind of coming over and why they're coming over and what they end up doing once they come over. Because I think that's a you know, there's there's a lot of kind of parallels, but there's also a lot of kind of underpinning kind of value differences in in some respects. So yeah, it's it's, just, it's a fascinating kind of time to see to see the industry kind of flux and, and adopt, people adopt it in different ways. Let's talk briefly, because I think there's one other kind of topic I want to make sure we have a chance to cover, which is, you know, as, as the kind of uh, cannabis market, if you look at kind of the consumer side, goes from this kind of traditional, you know, kind of pot culture to kind of middle America soccer mom, you know, how does that change your strategy or how does it impact your brand, brand strategy, like how you approach marketing, things like that? I guess, how do you see that happening right now? Where do you think we are in that that kind of market growth? And then how does it impact the work that you do with your clients? Well, it's finding that target demographic is one of the most exciting parts of building a brand. Yeah. When we are working, when we're doing a brand strategy workshop with a new client, we always try to drive home the idea that if you're trying to be everything to everyone, you're not something to someone. And right now in the cannabis industry, the exponential growth that we're going to be seeing isn't going to necessarily come from current cannabis users just consuming more cannabis. Yeah, exactly. It's going to come from new markets. Yeah. 
And if you look at our brand portfolio of the different brands we've worked with and the work that we've done, the clients that we've taken to market, you, I'll, I'll challenge you to find one that looks like any other one because everyone has such a unique story and unique opportunity and is focusing on a unique market that the sky is the limit on how diverse and, and how broad we can go with, with building out brands. So we have some brands that we've taken to market that are going for the conservative, red-blooded, American, patriotic, truck-driving country music listener. Yeah. Something that, that, you, that we once in a previous, you know, in a previous <laughs> era, we thought was the antithesis of the cannabis industry. Exactly. But it's no longer defined by the baby boomers and the hippies and the Rastas. It's, you know, there's, everyone is coming forward and finding great use for it, whether they're a microdoser that's using it for anxiety uh-huh. or it's, a, you know, a professional that's, you know, a corporate professional that just really needs to chill out at the end of a very stressful day and is yeah. tired of using alcohol to be that tool, yeah. to that opioid addict, to, you know, the soccer mom. And being able to build out brands that really identify that target audience and finds their motivating influence and speaks to that motivating influence and resonates with them is one of the most exciting parts of the process. And if you look at them, again, the most successful brands out there, they've done that. They've identified that, they've nailed it, and they have that dedication. Yeah, perfect. And I've got a long list of questions, but unfortunately, we're at time here. So this has been a pleasure. I've, I've learned a lot. I think this is a great conversation. I, I think we had a great opportunity to kind of dig into the brand, uh, the, sort of the brand kind of complexity right now that's in, in cannabis. And I'm looking forward to see how things play out. If people want to find out more about you or the hybrid creative, what's the best way to get more information? Sure. You can just go to our website, thehybridcreative.com. We're also on Instagram at The Hybrid Creative. Perfect. I'll, uh, I'll put both of those links on the show notes so people can click through to those. Zach, this has been a pleasure. I really appreciate the time. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Thinking Outside the Bud with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets and access other great content visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.